0: like cyberpunk iced tea with a robot dolphin all day, every day. Give it to me. That's, I I mean, that's really all you have to say to sell me on at least watching this one. his iced teas in this movie, he has a robot virtual reality dolphin. Yes, please. Welcome to another episode of the MacGuffin Podcast, the movie review podcast that dreams are made of. Keith Foster back home in San Diego, California.
1: That's right. Uh, Over the Christmas break, I went and visited uh, you, uh, Cassidy Mm -hmm. Robinson. You are recording from an undisclosed location in the Rocky Mountains that I was able to successfully uh, triangulate your signal. Yes. um, And I was able to find out where your secret bunker is. Yes.
0: Use a little Google maps action, a little, uh, what's, what's, uh, the one where you can see from like an aerial point of view, like drone style. So, yeah, I mean, we did the holidays. They happened. Mm-hmm. And I just want to announce to the, the winter spirit, the, uh, cold miser can fuck the fuck off now.
1: Yeah, we're good. We're done. We're and done so, with you. Well, uh, okay. Technically he has tell, Nope. Sunday.
0: Oh, you think New Year's must have a cold weather kind of situation?
1: Uh, Kind of. I mean, Eh. I I associate it very much with Christmas. Like, you know, when I was a kid, that was kind of how long the Christmas holiday would last was like that week. Right. Um, You know, we usually keep our decorations up and stuff till after New Year's. So, yeah. It's socially
0: Um, acceptable to keep your decorations up until after new year's after that point you look lazy or insane i don't care i'm sick of it already and i don't know why but it feels like this winter is particularly like cold and dark like i remember winter happened last year i guess but it's all kind of a blur from the time i i got my apartment to the time summer hit again um, like that year just went by like a blur. Like I don't remember there really being a winter. This time this- I'm like fuck this. On this episode, we're going to be talking about uh, the new Spider-Man movie, which I did not see, but you did. Spider-Man: No Way Home.
1: Not uh, the title. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes. The newest. The newest Holland.
0: Yes, the newest in the the MCU Spider-Man saga. We collectively will be reviewing the new Matrix film, Matrix uh, Resurrections, uh, which was released on HBO Max. It's also in theaters as well. Uh, Notably, not doing nearly as well in theaters as Spider Man, um, but I guess globally doing pretty good. Oh, okay. Um, And at the end of the program for the streaming homework, we will be doing uh, your streaming assignment. which was Johnny Mnemonic, another Keanu Reeves, cyberpunk film from the nineties from Netflix. Mm -hmm. But before we get into that, I did have a game plan here and this maybe should have went with the last episode because we talked about midnight run. We were talking about buddy movies and I was
1: going to say, where did this come from?
0: Well, it came from an Instagram photo I saw, but I thought to myself, You know, like, oh, shit, like, this is such a good thing we should have done for the last episode. um, Because, you know, we were talking about Midnight Run, which is like a buddy road movie. Um, But I thought about, you know, what are some pairings, some actor pairings we haven't seen that we want that we wanted to see or would want to see? And, um, you know, what sort of like movie conceits would put these actors together in a fun way?
1: I'm I'm pretty proud of mine. I think both of these would be great movies.
0: I like mine too. I mean the one that I originally thought of that kind of sparked this whole thing, I'm more proud of. The other one was a little bit of a scramble to figure out, but once I got it I was pretty happy with it. Um but we're each going to we're each going to propose two separate pitches. So I'll let you start. What is your first movie pairing? Your, your first buddy movie?
1: All right, my first one is kind of out
0: there. Oh, by um, the way, I didn't say specify this, so I don't know how you ended up um putting this together, but they don't have to be just buddies. It could be a a couple or it could be like mother-daughter, father-son,
1: whatever. Just oh, as, sure, sure. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I almost went there with a couple ideas, but I scrapped those. Yeah. Um so I went I kind of went the more traditional like buddy movie route. Okay. The the first one I have is uh, Nicholas Cage and okay. Wesley Snipes. Okay. Wesley Snipes is some kind of a celebrity. I, I'm thinking maybe a musician or actor. Or something. He's very famous, very high profile. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets mistaken for somebody else uh, and gets kidnapped by like this homegrown like terrorist organization okay and his manager nicholas cage has to get him back and then they have to like get back home in time for like a concert or a uh you know movie signing movie premiere something like that uh so it's like you know an action comedy thing
0: okay yeah I'm trying to imagine like why a manager would end up putting themselves in that much danger, and not just letting authorities take care of it. Well, their
1: best, their best friends, managers. Uh, they both do kung fu together. Like, come okay. on. <laughs> For reasons. That's yeah. all you have to say. I mean, they definitely both do kung fu. I think so. Yeah and they're they're you know they're best friends it's it's you know the relationship is kind of like the manager, oh God, what's his name in love actually like you know sure they're you know they're very close, they've been together forever since they were young men, uh you know now they're older, and they've gotta like you know fight their way out of a neo nazi compound together i mean i would I would watch that I was just thinking like you know actors that can be very intense and uh Mm. you know i i think they would be very they could if they could match each other's energy it would be very fun we haven't seen wesley snipes in a long time yeah uh in anything you know really high profile uh yeah i just think it'd be a lot of fun
0: yeah and they're both action movies of a certain era uh, you know, actually, action, action movie actors of a certain era, who yeah, who have these kind of like weird Hollywood reputations that that they sort of um have to live down everywhere they go.
1: Exactly, and I feel like they're both uh I don't know if self aware, but they're both a little more able to kind of poke fun at themselves. Uh, than C- certainly, like
0: certainly, yeah. I mean, I think. Nicholas Cage has had kind of a bit of a comeback in the last couple of years. oh, hell yeah, um, he gosh. sort of found his his niche again, mm-hmm. um, and he's been putting out movies that are you know sort of on the indie side of it. I kind of like when McConaughey came back and he was before he was in big movies again, he started out and stuff like like mud and and um, uh, what was that one that William Friedkin did? Oh, I can't remember the name of it. It was a Tracy Let's Play that t- got turned into a movie. Oh yeah, oh,
1: gosh, I can't think of the name. I know yeah. what you're talking about.
0: It's good like movie. Gina Gershon. Joe. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Something Joe. I forgot what it was. Um, but yeah, he was in a bunch of little things like that, and sort of like slowly but surely, he was, he was building his heat back up, building his capital, and then was able to launch himself with that. So I think that's where Nicolas Cage is right now, and certainly Wesley Snipes, if he cares to, you know, relaunch a career, that would be the way to go.
1: Yeah, I feel I feel like they could um, play off of each other really well. They yeah,
0: yeah, it might be something like battling egos as far as like you know what goes on behind the camera, but. I don't know exactly.
1: Yeah, that's true. But uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not casting it for that. I'm casting it for the insane, you know, action frenzy we would get. Yeah. The, just the energy of these two kicking in skinhead would be uh, fun to watch. All right. My
0: first one is a little, both of mine are a, a, a lot more low, low stakes than that. I'll start with I, the I one. I did
1: come out of the gate hot. Huh.
0: You did. You did. Uh this is a the one that uh kind of like put this on my radar. If it's on Instagram, I follow Chet Hanks, the uh fail son of the
1: oh God. of the
0: yeah. uh yeah, yeah, White Boy Summer, all that stuff.
1: I, I don't know why you follow him, but sure. Because he's a living meme. Um Okay. And he did I'll a just wait for the uh, the memes to come out. <laughs> I mean it's everyday man. Um <laughs>
0: But uh, because of the holidays, he took a photo with his brothers. Apparently, there is a younger third Hanks that none of us know about.
1: Ooh. Um, are we. Are you. Okay. I don't want to jump the gun. Oh, no, 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 is no. it going no, be no. Hanks versus Hemsworth? <laughs>
0: no, but that's a whole separate movie. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Colin was there. And you don't see Colin and Chet in um, pictures together very often. They rarely talk about each other. It is kind of a. I don't know, a point of tension or something. Yeah,
1: it's, um, they're very different.
0: Quite a bit and very different in age, too. I think Chet is younger than us and Colin's a good, I think, six plus years older than us. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, it's not what you think it is. It's not a Chet and Colin Hanks film. But okay. I was just looking at Colin Hanks um, kind of standing there awkwardly and uh, thinking like, you know, kind of miss him in movies.
1: Yeah, in general, like it's been a it's been yeah. a minute since he's done anything. And his father is fully aged out of
0: doing the type of roles that he would have done when he was Colin's age. Um, yes. And uh, 30 years now. Yeah. And I was just trying to think of like, what kind of movie would I want to see Colin Hanks in? And this uh, popped into my head. But I, w- I would love to see Colin Hanks and Topher Grace playing opposite him in a film about two aged nerds who are returning to or going to their first comic-con in 25 years because of the uh, 25th anniversary of something either they they created. I haven't figured this part out yet. So maybe they had a, a small indie book that, did well, and they kind of did separate things, with their lives, and they're coming back to do a little signing for that, or they're coming back to see like an 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 aged, not very cool for this generation, nerd icon from twenty five years ago.
1: Yeah, and yeah.
0: the basic premise is we get to see Colin Hanks and Topher Grace play off of each other and play human beings. You know, it's so often that the way the movies are written nowadays, just everything's very, so character oriented. It's hard to just see people comfortably act next to each other. And I would just want to see how these two actors would interplay playing people in in their late thirties, early forties.
1: Yeah. Um, No, I, I I like it.
0: And, and I think we could have some fun meta commentary about how comic con has changed since 25 years ago to now and sort of how nerd culture, like they get there and it's all like, Big and flashy, and it's like the you know the long lines for i you feel know like c- for some web like celebrity and they're kind of like ignored or whatever
1: yeah i I feel like uh I feel like in general media ignores like the, the real landscape of nerdity yeah uh, as far as like you know setting and stuff goes where it like if something is. Nerdy, it has to be about that,
0: right? And I'm not talking about like making them. No, no, I
1: I agree with the, you. I'm uh, saying
0: the Big Bang Theory, like you know.
1: No, yeah, exactly. i like, I'm, I'm saying, they're like, just
0: like kind of dads who let that part of their lives go away.
1: Like I I feel like uh chasing Amy, right? Right. How he just happens to work on a comic book, like you know, he happens to be a uh, an inker. Uh, right, right. And
0: slash penciler. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I like that it in that movie, it just sort of happens to be their profession. And then, you know, they sort of meet other nerds and stuff. But like, it's not really about that.
0: Yeah, it's very it's very incidental to the whole story.
1: Uh, more so than, you know, any of other Kevin Smith projects. Like, you know,
0: <laughs> there's been a lot of like mini Kevin Smithy type stuff, like movies like Band Boys or or um
1: well that but that's know, what I'm the saying. Is, type stuff but typically if they use that as you know, sort of the setting or the general like background of the characters, it has to be their, their whole focus thing. of everything because they're trying to entice a nerd crowd. Right. But in I,
0: it, in my head, I'm kind of viewing this like more tonally, like some like a movie like sideways, yes. except for instead of wine, it's the comic book world.
1: Yes, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't have to appeal to nerds. It's just the setting. It's just where right. they are.
0: I mean, I think naturally it probably would appeal, at least to nerds of a certain age. Yeah, but but um, but we're not marketing it to nerds, right? You know yeah, what I, I mean? Would, like
1: it would be a movie for everybody. It, yes, and it would all uh, just be this. pop culture references. I love it. I think it's great.
0: And I just, I, I thought about, it. I just those two actors would be really fun to watch
1: together. Yeah, totally. All right. What is your second one? Uh, Okay, my second one. It's funny that you mention the movie Sideways. um, Okay. Because mine is my next pitch is Sideways meets Grumpy Old Men. Okay. uh, Starring Brian Cox and Willem Dafoe, and they are very, you know, they're very well off. Individuals, sure. they're you know, very upper class and they're on some kind of a vacation together. Um, you know, sort of lifelong friends, but they kind of hate each other now. I just think that both actors can play bastards so well, mm-hmm. uh, and to just sort of see them interact in a way where they kind of have to be together. Whatever, they're, they're on some vacation together. It doesn't matter what. Okay. Um, but they're in some kind of situation where they have to interact with each other. And they don't, you know, they kind of hate each other. They're, so it's just kind of them trading barbs and one-upping each other the entire time. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they're on a cruise. Just something to where they have to be around each other all the time. Kind of similar to your... uh, not Chet Hanks, the other Hanks, Colin Hanks Hanks and Tougher Grace. I just think they are such good character actors and Mm -hmm. they can both play high profile bastards so well. So would would we
0: be getting Brian Cox full accent or would he be playing American or would, would uh,
1: uh, Willem Dafoe be playing European? It could go either way. One could be European. One could be American. It, it, I honestly didn't even think it through that much. I just was thinking like it would be really fun to see Brian Cox from Succession like trying to outdo Willem Dafoe's Norman Osborne, but very low stakes, right? Like I don't want it to be about you know, business and corporate mergers and you know, I don't want it to be succession, I don't want it to be damages or billionaires or any of the mm-hmm. billions or whatever that fucking show's called. I don't want it yep. to be any of those things. I just want it to be very high profile characters one-upping each other over very low stakes things. Right.
0: And you could play into the out of touch nature of who they are and what they do. Like, Absolutely, Yeah. You know, they'd be, like, com- comparing their, you know, financial dicks, essentially.
1: Absolutely, yeah. So that that's why, yes, they would definitely be, like, well-off. They would definitely be, like, you know, probably own their own companies or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, yeah, the whole thing is just them forced to be together for some reason, doesn't matter what. And the whole thing is just them trying to one-up each other.
0: Okay yeah I mean I would watch that it would have to be that's that's the type of thing that if I were just to read the description and see the cast I would have to see a director attached that I'm interested in because it it could either go a really cool you know prestige type film or whatever or it could end up being like the bucket list or, or some you know, no,
1: no, 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 no. Yeah, I definitely not. The I, I, know, list, not I know you not, would not do that, but not I'm just road saying. Roadhogs, <laughs> not, not any of that shit. Like, yes, I would definitely want it to be like my pitch is a, a, a little more prestige, a little more. Yeah, uh, maybe yes, something would,
0: kind of in the vein of like the trip movies. Yeah, but but a little bit more prickly.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about the movies with Steve Coogan. With Steve and... Coogan
0: and the other guy. Yeah. Y-
1: yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, yes. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. want it to be totally played for laughs.
0: Cool. So one of the reasons I was uh, uh, kind of laboring my second choice here is because I wanted to feature some women.
1: Yeah, Keith. I mean, it's getting, it's becoming more common um but you know there's not a lot of buddy comedy movies that focus around women it's true right unless it's like a bachelorette party woo, well, kind of thing i mean there's a few you know there is bridesmaids there is yeah. uh romey and michelle's high school reunion like i mean you
0: literally had to jump back a few decades after bridesmaids but yeah
1: that's true that is true <laughs> uh yeah, well, there, there was that one that came out this year that I haven't seen yet the, that I heard a lot of people talking about Barb and Barb and Star go to Del Mar. I think I know you what, know you're what talking I'm talking to. about, right? It has Kristen Wiig. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so this uh, this one um, and it was for me, the struggle. I kind of had an idea of what I wanted to see. But it, for me, it was like coming up with the right actresses. And I have Cecily Strong and Mila that. Kunis. Okay. Um, I had to Google some like ages and stuff to, you know, to make sure that they would be closer to the same age.
1: Sure. I mean, it's also, you know, it's Hollywood. But yeah. Right. They, yeah. I feel like
0: they fit. Um, So the idea is Cecily Strong and Mila Kunis grew up together, or at least, you know, have been friends since high school, middle school, something like that. And they came up in like high school drama, kind of got into the world of acting around the same time. But Mila Kunis blew up uh, and ended up becoming a successful, like right out of like, uh, you know, sketch comedy group or something they were both in. Mila Kunis uh, gets very successful very fast and is in Hollywood and making movies, making moves. And Cecily Strong is still kind of toiling in like Chicago underground comedy circuit. Okay. And they are both up for the same role in a feature a coveted feature in hollywood but they don't know it that they're both up for it um they've they've been uh uh cecily strong who would kind of be the unofficial main character of the two has been sending in tapes like tape auditions or you know zoom auditions or whatever she's Mm -hmm. on her third or second callback She goes, sees everyone there, and lo and behold, she runs into her old best friend who she's been fairly estranged from ever since her success. But because it's kind of uncomfortable, Mila Kunis, you know, sort of laughs it off and wants to treat her to her success and to, you know, the Hollywood lifestyle or whatever and tries to like, you know, it's like, ha ha, we're up for the same role. But, you know, why don't you come out to dinner with me? Why don't you go to these parties with me? Blah, 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 blah. And it becomes this whole friendship kind of thing, but there's this underlying tension between the two that's not going to be resolved until they know who gets the part.
1: Okay. All right. I like this. I, I'm curious about, how Cecily Strong and Mila Kunis would play together? They they have mm-hmm. a similar look. They have a similar yeah. vibe, which I, I could, thought
0: was would make sense because being up for the same role. Also. Yeah,
1: I could I could definitely see them both being up for the same role. And and I, I
0: just like you know strong, brassy women in movies, and I, I, I think mean, both of them can do that and are true. that. Yeah, and I think they can both be very funny and also play serious when they need to
1: yeah i mean i I don't hate it i I like it um yeah I think they that's a pretty good matchup
0: yeah that's the most like an actual movie <laughs> uh, between uh the ones that I thought of but um as far as like having you know full details like I actually have a a starting place and an ending place for a screenplay if I wanted to go so far
1: you, you um should fucking write some of this shit like i I honestly felt like my (laughs) Nick Cage, Wesley Snipes when I'm like hinges so much on the actors getting those parts game and doing it. But I'm like, I was seeing it in my head. I was like, this is fun. All right.
0: Well, if anybody else has any other suggestions about what actors they've always wanted to see in a buddy movie together, uh, you can tweet us at MacGuffinPod. Um, on Twitter, um, hit up the DMs, uh, you know, we'll read them on air.
1: Let us know if you would see our crazy movies.
0: Yes, we can start some uh, some analytics. Okay, let's go ahead and talk about the movies. Uh, I'm going to give you the floor a little bit here to do a mini review for Spider-Man No Way Home. Obviously, I can't really comment i have yet to see it i plan on seeing it um maybe depending on what you say
1: sure yeah uh okay so spider-man no way home is the third in the home trilogy it's ridiculous to say uh for the spider-man movies in the mcu starring tom holland it starts off immediately after the events of Spider-Man Far From Home. So if you haven't seen that, spoilers, I guess. Spider-Man Far From Home ends with Quentin Beck, uh, Mysterio. Uh, Just before he died, he managed to edit the video footage of his fight with Spider-Man. And he also reveals the identity and... Sends this video to J. Jonah Jameson, who is now sort of an InfoWars Alex
0: Jonesy type conspiracy theorist guy. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I mean it's there without being too explicit, but he he, you know, whatever. He's a propagandist. Uh so this is big news story. He reveals the identity of Spider-Man. Uh, so the movie begins with uh Tom Holland as Peter Parker slash Spider Man, uh, trying to figure out you know what to do now that the entire world knows who he is. Um, you know, there's reporters everywhere he goes. Uh, he just wants to you know finish his last year of high school with his friends and get accepted to college. And yeah, so him and uh, Zendaya is mm-hmm. MJ. Mm-hmm jacob batalon uh as ned are all trying to get into uh i think it's mit you know they're all trying to get in college together so that they can still be friends and stuff however because their association with spider-man they're having a hard time getting accepted to any schools they're you know there's there's just so much controversy around peter parker uh that he's kind of spoiled goods so colleges don't really want him and they don't really want anyone associated with him that and you know just the personal invasion in their lives uh so peter parker decides wouldn't it be better if everyone could just kind of forget that he was peter parker and and if things could go back to the way things used to be so He goes to uh, get the help of Dr. Strange uh, to see if there's some sort of magical solution to sort of make sure everybody forgets that he is Spider-Man. Dr. Strange decides to help him. Uh, He decides to create a spell. And as Dr. Strange is casting the spell, he sort of creates a rift in time and space and brings uh, these... Old Spider-Man villains that, you know, uh, Tom Holland has never had to deal with into his universe. So uh, he has to fight off the likes of Dr. Octopus as reprised by Alfred Molina from the Tobey Maguire movies. Uh, he has to fight off Jamie Fox playing Max Dillon, a.k.a. Electro from the amazing Spider-Man movies. And, of course, he has to fight off Willem Dafoe reprising his role as Norman Osborn. Yeah, there's some things I don't want to mention in my review because I don't want to give away too many spoilers. Uh, But Spider-Man thinks he might have a way to send these villains home. Um, But before he does that, you know, he's working with Doctor Strange. But before they send them home, he decides he wants to try to to help them, to, to cure them of their, you know, the issues that are that have caused them to be villains.
0: What did you think about it? Because I, I noticed um, prior to the release of No Way Home, you were kind of going back and watching the other Spider-Man movies. And, mm-hmm. you know, you had your critiques of, you know, specifically the amazing Spider-Man movies, the ones with... Um, with yeah. uh, uh, Andrew Garfield. And- it's
1: been a minute since I'd watched those movies and they're not great. I, right. I think Andrew Garfield was a fine choice for Spider-Man. I think he's he's in it. He is trying to do the work. Um, but just those movies are trying to do so much and trying to so not be the Sam Raimi movies. Right. That that they They prevent themselves from having a lot of fun with it. Um, Right. Which is why I I think
0: everybody was like, just give it back to Marvel. And then they did. And everyone has been into that. But it seemed like even within the last couple of years or so, or at least since the last Spider-Man movie was released, um, people are kind of getting frustrated. Maybe by people, I just mean me. No, you're um, I don't But think you're People alone, were sort so. of getting frustrated. That's like, okay, cool, but I just want to see Spider-Man do Spider-Man shit, not just be a cog in the MCU
1: universe. Well, I, I think I think it goes beyond that, right? I so I don't mind it when the MCU uses movies to set up other movies or what or whatever, right? Like uh Captain America's Civil War. Isn't really a Captain America movie. Every no. you know, everybody called it like Avengers 2.5 or whatever. It is, yeah. Yeah, it absolutely is. Uh, so is it a great Captain America movie? Not necessarily, but it's one of my favorite MCU movies. So I, I think the problem with Spider-Man in the MCU up to this point has been that there isn't enough of what makes Spider-Man Spider-Man. In Captain America Civil War, Captain America is still a recognizable character. He still does things like Captain America would do. He is still, uh, you know, he still has agency. Right. Whereas in in the MCU so far, they kind of have played Spider-Man to be like the kid sidekick of whatever other hero. Right. Right. You know, in Homecoming, I think. Spider-Man Homecoming is a pretty good movie, but it's frustrating how much he sort of relies on Iron Man mm-hmm. and how much, like, the Iron Man technology kind of bleeds into what's going on. And Spider-Man Far From Home is, like, is this weird teen, like, road comedy, and he's in Europe, and he's like an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., and it just doesn't... It's, Spider-Man sort of in the MCU so far has felt like a uh, superhero tofu where he kind of takes on the characteristics of whatever heroes he's teaming up with so far. Right. So okay. it's
0: interesting. This is my thoughts kind of having pre seen the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, the whole notion of, like, opening parallel universes and seeing all these characters and possibly seeing other spider man from other movies, that was kind of put into public consciousness by um, the, uh, the, well, the, the the animated film.
1: Uh, the into the spider Anti- Man into, into the, the Spider-Verse, universe,
0: which was a huge hit, a huge, like, massive uh, kind of surprise hit, considering other than that Spider-Man being in the title, uh, there was a lot of unknowns as far as how that would do. But, you know, some could say that the MCU is just like, okay, we'll have one of those. Sure. And And I I think that it's kind of interesting, given what you just said about how Spider-Man in the MCU is so beholden to kind of um, playing within those very tight confines. Of what so, the MCU allows him to be. It's interesting to sort of rip those walls off and have him face these, these, these other universes in which Spider-Man's treated very differently. What does that look like?
1: So basically uh, the, the way I kind of look at it is these three movies mm-hmm. are kind of one big Spider-Man origin story. Yeah. And by the time we get to this movie, we actually get to see Tom Holland's Spider-Man become Spider-Man. So I really liked it. Uh, I think this movie is a lot of fun. His interaction with the these older villains seems very natural. And, it, you know, it's just a, a testament to how well cast they were. Yeah. Um, you know, Willem Dafoe steps in as Norman Osborn slash Green Goblin without skipping a beat. You wouldn't mm-hmm. think that it's been fucking twenty, 20 years since yeah. that movie came out. You, you know, so it's it's nice because even though like Doctor Strange is in this movie, even though we've got a bunch of villains, I, I you know some I I did not mention because they are a little more tertiary there's a lot going on in this movie and I do think it, it it could be easy to get kind of overwhelmed by it, but what the MCU does so well is they are able to sort of balance because they built this universe to the point where it's at. (laughs) They're able to, to share screen time a little easier than, you know, back when everything was kind of ride or die on one movie Right, Uh, So, you know, some of these characters can kind of come in and out and have smaller parts than others. And ultimately, this feels like a Spider-Man movie. Like, yes, it is cosmic and weird and and the stakes are kind of insane. But ultimately, the conflict comes down to this moral choice of Spider-Man choosing, like, I don't want to send these characters back to their universes until until that, you know, I've, I've helped them. I I have to help them because if I just send them back to that point in time that they came from, they're just going to die. They're Mm -hmm. just going to, you know, we know how their stories play out. They're pulled out of time as well as space. Uh, So, you know, he has to take this chance to save them. So ultimately like the conflict of this movie is a moral conflict that feels very spider man Uh, even though doctor strange is in this movie uh, it doesn't feel the same. It doesn't feel like Spider-Man is just sort of doctor strange's sidekick. Um, It really feels like this in this movie, Tom Holland finally becomes his own Spider-Man. Well, it sounds like by the, the way you're describing it,
0: that they, you know, through the machinations of the plot or whatever, that he starts to build his own ethos.
1: Yes, absolutely. Because I think that's the
0: thing that's sort of why he feels so passive in the other two movies. He's great. I really like Tom Holland is in the role. I think he has, you know, you know, both physically. But he's just sort
1: of this like kind of punky kid from Queens. Right. Right.
0: Who gets told what to do left and right by everybody around him.
1: Yes. That. So that's why I liked this one so much is because Tom Holland is is has great potential to be Mm spider-man and this is the first movie that i'm like finally they let him fucking be spider-man and and yes they finally give him his own ethos they finally give him his own motivations he he finally starts to feel like he has his own agency and he's not just a tony stark fanboy or uh, you know, uh, uh, recruited into an agent of Shield, like he gets to make his own decisions, and and they don't always work out for him. And you know, he gets to he, he gets to make mistakes, and he gets to be his own hero. Finally, uh, I yes, I think this movie is a lot of fun. Um, it's got all the charm that you want out of you know an MCU movie. It's got a lot of humor but it's also got some fucking stakes to it it's also got some teeth to it it's also it, it packs an emotional punch there are moments in this movie that i like that fucking got me and right. I, and i'm kind of you know i'm we're so spoiled as nerds to you know we had four fucking mcu movies this year uh sometimes the emotional beats kind of feel like they're just kind of You know, playing the motion, you know, going through the motions or whatever. But this one, I was like, there's something special about this movie that I haven't felt since uh, Infinity War and Endgame. That there is a little bit more to it than, you know, like it is epic in scale. um, But it kind of sets things right in a lot of ways uh that I felt like haven't been up to this point.
0: And at no point did it ever feel like it was stepping on yeah, never no, felt it, like it, it was stepping on into the spider versus toes.
1: I didn't really feel that. No, because um I that, mean there is a different enough movie that you don't really
0: you weren't thinking about that.
1: There is a similar, you know, there's similar elements um mm-hmm. but these elements also existed in, you know, the nineties fucking Spider-Man cartoon. Uh, sure. I mean, Spider-Man is ex- always,
0: you know, he has weird arcs and shit happens and Adam Web and
1: whatever. Oh, but- sure. Yeah. So it's not uncommon for Spider-Man to bend reality and go into alternate dimensions. It, you know, the Marvel universe in general likes to play that card every once in a while. Um, yeah. No, no, I'm, it- I'm
0: well aware that, that the, the Spider-Man is capable of having these stories. What I meant is that it didn't feel like this movie was cribbing at all.
1: I, I didn't think so. I I felt like uh, the similarities it has, they play very differently. And for the most part, this feels like Tom Holland's movie. This feels okay. like his, his Spider-Man coming into his own. And yeah, there's definitely some fun surprises that sort of challenge that. But I don't think the movie loses focus on Peter Parker as a character. In fact, I think it's even more so than any any of the MCU uh, offerings today. So, so what do you give it? I give it an A, uh, borderline A plus. I I don't know. I want to see it again, but it it I loved it. I it it kind of fixed all the of my issues that I have with Spider Man and the MCU so far. Okay, good. That's what I wanted to hear. And it also does it in a way that, that doesn't feel overstuffed. That, to me, is what's impressive. Um, it you know, There's a lot of villains, there's a lot of characters, but it still feels like it has a specific story it wants to tell. And no individual character, like the fact that Green Goblin is in it, it, it doesn't take over the story. It doesn't feel muddy.
0: Okay, let's go ahead and move on then to Matrix Resurrections. And I suppose I'm setting this one up.
1: Yeah, I just did a lot of talking. My mouth is dry. (laughs) Go
0: ahead and get some water. Um, Well, well, now we're getting into our double dose of Keanu Reeves' cyberpunk action. So Mm -hmm. Matrix Resurrections is the fourth film in the Matrix universe. Uh, this is uh, written and directed by Lana Lakowski, now here solo. She's not here with her sister Lily, who up until now, they've almost exclusively worked together on all of their projects, going as far back as Bound um, through to uh, the Matrix film, Speed Racer, uh, Cloud Atlas, uh, Jupiter Ascending, the television show Sense 8. Uh, That was a Netflix original um, of which a lot of sensate actors appear in this film. And this takes place. um, Well, when does this take place? (laughs) So we leave off uh, of matrix revolutions, the third in the original trilogy where Trinity and Neo go to the core of the machine city And seemingly defeat the key holders to the simulated reality known as the Matrix through an act of uh, sacrifice, -sacrifice. self-sacrifice. So this is slightly spoiling (laughs) Matrix Revolutions, if you haven't seen it. But, you know, at the end of the film, both Trinity and and, uh, Neo die. Um, we kind of get a little weird little conversation between the Oracle and the, uh, what's his name? The old, the old guy with the TV room, the architect, the architect, we get a conversation with them about how, like, well, where do we go from here? Like, you know, and then it kind of seems like there's going to be some sort of treaties or something made. They they leave
1: the door to the universe open at the end of, uh, the matrix uh revolutions
0: yes um and here we pick up with neo very much alive in what looks to be contemporary normal america um where he is now aged up appropriately from where he would have been you know back then so now he's in his whatever early 50s and he is a successful game designer video game designer who uh, rose to success through the creation of a series of video games called the matrix. And whenever we see cut scenes or whatever footage from these video games that he created, it is um, scenes that we as a- audience will remember from the movies. So we are led to believe that the creation of the, of this video game, was a conception of Thomas Anderson, the video game creator, making this video game?
1: Or Are not. your eyes crossed yet?
0: <laughs> so we're getting very meta. We're getting very meta. And they want to develop a new one. They want to kind of figure out where they're going from here. Uh, they start, you know, they're in board meetings, bouncing ideas off each other. What is it about the Matrix that really is... uh appealing to an audience is it the you know the anti-capitalist uh message of it is it the cyberpunk is it the action the bullet time is it the trans allegory is it blah 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 right so all this stuff that's been written about the movies is now coming out of characters mouths and then we have uh these new characters uh who enter the picture uh jessica henwick as the character Bugs and Gehea uh, Abdul Mateen II, um, who we just saw in the Candyman film. Um, yeah, at- he's
1: kind of the go to guy for like reboots right now because he was also in the Watchmen TV series. Oh, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. I didn't know that. Um, uh, here he's playing Morpheus or a version of him. It gets complicated as far as that goes because obviously Morpheus was played by Lawrence Fishburne in the past, and in the cutscenes that we see from the video game slash past movies, it's still Lawrence Fishburne. Um, but here, he is a version of Morpheus who's working with this Bugs character. Uh, they seem to have you know crossed over into the simulation that I guess Neo is still in. And uh, it kind of plays out very similarly to the first third of the 1999 Matrix film, where they have to convince Neo that he is, in fact, not insane, that he, these dreams he's having, these video games he created, everything is based on a reality that he has since forgotten. And that they, they need to bring him back to help him or help them sort of bring unity to this. Uh, machine civil war that is happening uh, in uh, IO, the new um, uh, kind of no man's land in the non-simulated earth. So, you know, they do all of that. And uh, the second half of the film, you know, without getting too deep into the, the ins and outs of what's the same and what is different as far as the, uh, how the matrix as a simulation has been updated. Um mostly the second half of the film is them going back into the matrix to try and unplug Trinity, who is living her life as a, a mother and a wife. Um, she's had a couple of interactions with Neo uh, in a coffee shop. They sort of know each other uh, uh, distantly and they've always felt like there was a connection there, but it was like their lives can never really truly interact, but the, it becomes part of their, reality dysphoria that they feel as though they should be closer than they are so it becomes a rescue movie about getting trinity what did you think of uh matrix resurrections
1: i didn't hate it but i didn't particularly like it either Mm. i'm pretty ambivalent about it to me i kind of just was watching the whole thing like okay, why am I watching this? Like, what's the point of this? I, I feel like there's some interesting stuff, but that's all sort of front-loaded at the beginning with um, like kind of Thomas Anderson questioning the nature of his reality. Like they kind of play on that a little bit longer than they did in the first Matrix. And I think ultimately this movie would have been more interesting if the Matrix wasn't real. <laughs> Um right if it was
0: if it was entirely meta
1: yeah cuz but i understand obviously you know no uh producers would have ever signed on for that like right. you know, if you're going to make a matrix movie it's got to have shootouts and
0: you got to do the thing yeah, yeah
1: but i i didn't need this to do the thing cuz when it does the thing it doesn't do the thing particularly well mm. like a lot of the action i think looks not great uh And I, it just looks very digital and very, like, not good, which is a bummer because, you know, the first Matrix revolutionized the way action movies were shot and the way they look and the way they feel. And this whole movie just feels pretty sterile to me and pretty, like, it feels like an off-brand Matrix. Like, it feels like it feels like the difference between like the first two blade movies and blade Trinity, right? Like it just doesn't have the juice. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have the grit. All the action is pretty predictable and kind of clean. And like, like I said, very digital sterile uh, And you know, like the first movie gets pretty dirty. It gets pretty grimy. Like, Uh, When, you know, the difference between the Matrix and the real world is pretty jarring. Um, Mm -hmm. And this movie, the story is whatever. It's the script is whatever. It's fine. It's an excuse to go back to the Matrix. It's not I don't think it's necessarily bad. Like, sure, they could the machines can heal them or whatever and put them back in the Matrix. Uh, It's just like it just doesn't have the vibe that the matrix should have. Like it just doesn't feel right. So that's, that's your, your
0: overarching complaint with, with this film is, is vibe. It fails the vibe
1: check. It it just, it doesn't. Yes. It fails the vibe check and it doesn't really feel like it's adding anything particularly interesting to the conversation. Kind of right?
0: inconsequential.
1: Yeah. Like the first matrix was, you know, it's a watershed moment in and sci-fi movies and action movies. Mm-hmm. The second one is flawed, but it is definitely like
0: Ambitious. trying to up
1: the ante. Yeah. And for the fucking freeway chase sequence alone, it gets my seal of approval. They're trying to still push boundaries. And then the third one, I think, also pushes boundaries because... Uh, 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 majority of that movie takes place in zion which you know for a matrix movie to mostly take place in the real world is also challenging this movie doesn't have any of that it, it just is like okay but what if they were still alive like it just feels kind of fan fictiony to me that is my
0: overall complaint with it is it feels Yes, it feels very much like Matrix fan fiction. It feels like Lana Wachowski ripping herself off. Yeah, like um, there's,
1: there's just nothing significant. I, I saw a about
0: tweet uh, saying calling this uh, Lana Wachowski's new nightmare, and I get what they're saying about that. I, and I think that you know she sort of uses this metatextual stuff. As a way of sort of calling out the narrative sameness
1: of, like, I, I think. Thing, here's the thing: it's kind of passe for movies nowadays, right? I like, think I think so too. You don't have to ever since Wes Craven's New Nightmare. It's been kind of cliche, right? Like, like Halloween did some of these same things. The 2018 right. one. And I think, I when, think when, to you're, when you effect. have these like long,
0: long gaps between sequels, it's very, it's very, especially especially when it's a new director or something like that. Um, in this case, it's it's not a new director, but usually the case when it is, it, it, it's it's very tempting to lean on meta and to lean yeah, on I, clever. But that's
1: what I mean. Like it's it's not at this point. It's not bucking the trend. It is the trend. There, there, there's nothing. I agree, and I also don't feel that it, it it says
0: anything particularly interesting about any of the the questions it raises. It raises that, the question. What I mean when
1: I say like, I think I think this I might I think I might have liked this movie had it not been an actual Matrix movie. But had yeah, they got it, Keanu Reeves, the, you know what I mean. Like, but again, I I, I know why they could. I mean, that, yeah, that. that movie
0: would have never happened, or it would have been called something else, or whatever. But and I I also want to uh, underline what you said. I I want to talk about plot points and stuff like that because I I did not like this movie and pretty actively. But uh one of my one of my biggest complaints that you brought up is it doesn't look good. This isn't well-shot yeah. action. No. Like a lot of the the movie
1: is 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 mid shots and close-ups um where if you look at the first matrix movie and I I get Keanu Reeves is not is not as spry as he once was. Sure. But if you compare the action to this, to fucking John Wick 3, that just also came out pretty recently, like, Mm -hmm. they're worlds apart. Like, you know, in the first Matrix movie, it's a kung fu movie. Like, it's gun fu, you know what I mean? Water fu,
0: yeah. I mean, it's drawing upon Hong Kong cinema in a big way. It's drawing upon... Anime and action action cinema
1: big and emotional and 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 there's also more so than just yes it's it's more
0: so than just uh, you know an ambition which was certainly there in the original Matrix films but there's also sort of a there's a a style to those movies and it's and it's not just bullet time it's not just people in leather. It's you know, and it's not just set design. I'm talking about where the camera placement is, where the characters are in the frame. Well, uh, okay, you know, and, where and they decide to use slow motion, when they don't, when they decide to use needle drops, and when they don't. Like and, all of that stuff is very, very, very deeply considered in a way that it feels pretty slapdash and sloppy in this movie.
1: Yeah, and and I'm we'll talk about this a little bit more with the next review of Johnny Mnemonic. But you mm-hmm. know, it it is definitely a cyberpunk movie. But it's a cyberpunk movie with all these other influences, with you know this sort of Eastern cinema influence, with the right. you know uh, this anime influence, with this kung fu and influence, with uh, you know all these different sort of meldings of genres to where it elevated the genre of cyberpunk to something that cyberpunk could not be up until The Matrix existed, right? Right.
0: I think from from the uh, or between. Blade Runner to the first Matrix movie we would never seen A big Hollywood attempt At that genre
1: well, we, We've never seen a Like a, Not to say a serious attempt but a, a very Ambitious attempt of like You know I, I mean There's been some cyberpunk stuff in between But it,
0: well there was a lot of cyberpunk Stuff in between but most of it was Kind of junky Yeah, um, And you know and for better Or it was anime You know, if it was good, it was because it was animated, and Mm. if it was not, it was usually
1: not very good. Um, Well, yeah, and and but that's what I mean. The first Matrix is blending all of these genres and all of these influences to create. Again, it's a watershed moment. It is right, and
0: I think that 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 goes beyond saying the only reason I draw I draw comparisons is because it is the same filmmaker Mm. and because this movie. Just visually isn't there. I don't know why or what. Like maybe it has to do with digital cinema versus shooting on film stock. Um, you know that does play into style for some. Mm. For some directors, they change the way they kind of look at things because the possibilities are different. Because you have sure. less takes, you're a little bit more careful. Um,
1: it, it just feels kind of quick and easy, right? Yeah, I, I, I feel like you I look can, at the Matrix Reloaded. Mm-hmm. They built an entire fucking freeway to do that sequence, right? L- like this free, this looped freeway, just so they could get the look they wanted, so they could get the right mm-hmm. and and a lot of that uh, sequence, like a lot of those cars were added digitally later. So there's a lot of digital stuff in that sequence,
0: right? But I'm not is, I'm not talking about just the use of of CGI no, or no no no, but effects. but what I'm talking about is, shooting on On digital versus film stock because yes
1: but when you're there is an ambition to the filmmaking right right. yeah and there's a there's a
0: tactility and there is a there's a what you were saying grit to film that looks like film versus yeah well
1: it's well we
0: can just we can do take a hundred takes at this because it's all on a hard drive anyway and you know, whatever, like, it doesn't matter or that we, we don't can really. Just we green can just green screen, screen, screen the whole thing.
1: Yeah, because you know, like, I I remember. So there's a sequence where they like do. The, there's like this fight sequence on a train, and uh I was just thinking, like, God, this looks so bad. And mm-hmm. again, say what you will about any of the movies in the first trilogy, the action does not look bad. Yeah. Even in the you know the Matrix Revolutions, which was not particularly loved, it looks good. You know, like the the yeah. the, the end sequence between Neo and Agent Smith is operatic. It's mm. big. It's 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 uh, elemental. You know, but you might not like the story, but it is. It looks cool, right? I mean, they were they were
0: still, and you know. I'm not, I haven't looked at the numbers, but I'm going to guess, you know, adjusted for inflation, blah, 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 blah. This movie probably does not have the budget that the Matrix sequels had. But then don't make the Matrix. Well, right? yeah. I, I mean, it depends on what movie you want to make. I also, I'm not thrilled with the movie they wanted to make. Um, I have a lot of similar issues with this film as I did with the Candyman reboot. Although I think the Candyman reboot... Was still an interesting movie. It just wasn't necessarily a particularly great horror film. But I thought that it was still worth seeing and worth discussion. This movie.
1: Well, I,
0: I, yeah. And I my issue like, that I had with both is that this idea of like, let's take in all of the cultural critique of this series. Sure. And we're going to stuff it into characters' mouths and we're going to sort of use that like- as as a way of sort of mulling over what it is this story wants to be, but I feel like it never really
1: finds what it wants to be. I I I agree with you and I I, I agree with that comparison to an extent. I feel like the you're definitely right. The Candyman reboot does that but not to the extent that this does. I feel like the
0: Candyman reboot ultimately is a more successful movie because it's more cinematic. It's shot better. And and it has
1: has other things to say. It's more well acted. And yeah, my problem with this movie is it has nothing else to say other than what if there was another matrix movie.
0: Right. And, you know, I think a lot of people have, have posited what they think the overarching you know, meaning is to this movie. And I'm not going to say it doesn't mean anything. I think that they are having conversations. There's ideas, but I don't think there's anything said here that wasn't already said in the other movies in a more subtle way. Um and the Matrix movies are not like insanely subtle, and less so as as each one comes out. But yeah, I, I mean I, I don't know. I just was very, very let down with this movie. I think everyone if Feels like they're phoning it in um, acting wise, especially. I think the only one that really comes off OK um, uh, uh, as an actor in this movie is Carrie Ann Moss, who's not given really enough screen time. And when it was all said and done and I saw what the story was and what they were trying to say with it, I thought this whole thing would have been more interesting from her perspective than Neo's. Why was it not like she's the more interesting character. She's the she's old. the one that has an actual arc. Neo's just reliving the first movie again. Yeah.
1: Um No, I agree. I I And then as far as the acting goes, her, I her her kind of rescue is like very wrapped up very quickly. We never got to see her, you know, sort of coming out of the matrix story.
0: Right. We we get a live there's there's a the stuff in the animatrix we get a, a trinity story in there, but um it's not about her, her red pilling or her waking up or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I, I thought like this story, the way it's told, what it's meant, the you know the love story angle of it, is more interesting from her perspective than, than Neon. One hundred percent. And she's actually hungry to be in this movie, whereas uh, Keanu Reeves feels like he's fucking asleep. He couldn't even bother to cut his hair for this movie.
1: Um, I I don't have a problem with Keanu in this movie. In general, I uh, I think Keanu's fine. I think I do agree. I think Carrie Moss is good. Um, I think who plays Morpheus is doing a, a good job, and I think he's finding interesting notes for his character. Right, and what- and
0: when we learn more about, I think the probably the most interesting stretch of the movie is. Between the point which and where Neo's unplugged again, and then they go back to do the rescue. There's a little bit of like world building that happens there when we're learning about this like robot civil war that occurs after the after Neo and Trinity sacrifice themselves. And like how the world is changing, you know, going from Zion to to IO. Like there's if there's, you know, there's that ambition that we saw the story, the storytelling and world building that from the original movies that exists in 25 minutes of this sure. y- Yeah. And it's so, all only implied because they can't really afford to, or have no interest to really get into any of it.
1: So I, I didn't have a problem with Keanu. I, I liked um Abdul Mateen. I think he's a great actor, but I don't know about his reboot. I want him to do something for him to stand on his own legs. Kind of, you know, I want him to have his own candyman or his own matrix or his own whatever I think he's about there i think he you know he's he's
0: building it up he's he's a name right now he's he's getting on the lists um sure
1: it, anyway I'm I not worried about doing- his
0: future i think he's gonna do fine i uh jessica henwick as bugs uh as she's probably the biggest new character here um she's, fine. she's
1: fun she's fine again yeah, she, i just wish she had more very, to do like. She feels like she makes sense, but yeah, she's
0: the talk. audience's cipher throughout the movie and in a way that's like not on a script level very interesting, but she's she's game. I do not think that Jonathan Groff and okay. Neil Patrick yeah, Harris yeah, yeah, that's come on I'm very getting well to We need movie. to
1: talk about the villains of this movie, yeah, Jonathan Groff and Neil Patrick Harris mm. that, that might be a little bit of a spoiler, but fuck it, not um, really, God damn it, they like. That's the other thing, right? Yeah. Again, say what you will about the script. Uh, it's it's whatever. It's sort of a uh, reboot 101 at this point. It's like, you know, uh, make meta references to the first one, uh, kind of re- reboot, rehash the, the initial story, right? It's the same mm-hmm. stuff we got in The Force Awakens. But you know what The Force Awakens had? It had fucking Kylo Ren, who's a cool, interesting villain. Fucking the first Matrix has Hugo Weaving as, one, you know, one of the fucking greatest screen villains of all. Like, he's up there with Darth Vader, I think. Like, he's so sure. fucking good. Like, anybody thinks of Hugo Weaving in the Matrix, they can hear him saying, Mr. Anderson, in their fucking head, right? Right. And then you've got fucking Jonathan Groff <laughs> as this, like, just this, like, flipping like, I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to go the the inverse that, you know, where Hugo Weaving was very formal and, and a formalist. They're trying to show he's evolved, but it's fucking lame. It sucks. I do not like him in this movie at all. I do no, not. And like,
0: I like Jonathan Groff. I've seen plenty of stuff with him that I've liked a lot.
1: He's he's great in Mindhunter. He was great in Hamilton. He's, it's not that he's a bad actor. It's that this character fucking sucks.
0: And then you have Neil Patrick Harris playing Neil Patrick Harris. Exactly. He's just doing shtick throughout the whole movie. And I think they're trying to kind of like make him a little bit of like a Merovingian style kind of thing. Again, they're playing
1: off. He's replacing the architect, which nobody liked the architect. uh, You know, this like stuffy program in a white suit. Um, I like that version more than this. I like the architect. I like the original Matrix trilogy. Yeah, uh, it's flawed, but it it, it at least is their movies. This right. is just it's just. I mean, the way
0: I felt when it was. I mean, the way I felt when it was all said and done was this feels like the sci-fi pilot for a Matrix TV show. Yeah, like it feels kind of cheap and slapdash, and. Fan service And low and,
1: stakes and into a weirdly small
0: scale. And or, you know, visually, it feels more like the, like you were saying, it feels kind of like those like Matrix ripoffs that came out, like
1: movies yeah. like Ultraviolet or the Eon Flux movie. Totally. It just feels empty in a way that the original Matrix didn't.
0: Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry to say, I know pe- there are people who love this movie and I wish to God I'd seen the movie they saw because I just didn't.
1: I, again, I, I also, I just, I didn't hate this movie either. I just nothing. Like to me, you know, in this house, there's three matrix movies in this house. There's three Indiana Jones movies. Yeah. This house, to me, this is sort I mean? of the
0: same quality drop off. as like a crystal skull. Yeah. It's like, I acknowledge it's there. It's, and, uh, you know, I probably hate it a little bit more because there's there's a point in the movie in which, you know, um, uh, Neo's fighting with somebody and he says, I still know Kung Fu. And I was like, that's this movie. That's this movie in one line.
1: It Yeah, it really is. It's There's not much else here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the people
0: who think this is like, No, Christ Reborn in in film. Yeah, I I I I, I understand people were rooting for this movie and they want to see Lonnie Workowski. I
1: was also rooting for this movie. I remember it had a great trailer. trailer. I the first trailer I was like, I don't know about this, but I hope it's better than the trailer. Uh I I thought of the, the main
0: trailer. I don't know if it was the first one, but the you know the one with White Rabbit in the background and stuff. Yeah, I thought no, it was no. like I, I could okay okay uh, we'll see we'll see like I was tentatively interested, even though I know like the Wachowskis haven't had the best track record post Matrix, um, and I mean they've had some interesting stuff and they they've had hits and misses, but this is definitely a miss for me.
1: I give it a D plus. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. I give it a C minus. Uh, I I didn't hate it. Again, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I just was like, what's the point of this?
0: I probably would have liked it a little bit more. It's already long. It's like two and a half hours long. But yeah. I would have liked it a little bit more if the last third wasn't so rushed and sloppy. Yeah. But even then, it's it's still diminishing returns quite a bit. From the I original. Got, I, I did get
1: pretty bored at the ending.
0: That's what this whole movie is. It feels like every like cool idea that needs to be flushed out, they just find the cheapest, easiest way to do it.
1: But I don't, I don't understand that though. Like, I I feel like the Matrix as a franchise feel. In like-
0: my, I mean, uh, yeah, like I said, maybe the budget was. Maybe Lily is the visualist of the two, and yeah, her input it, is not true. being that there. Is an
1: interesting aspect is like this is the first time we've seen one of them kind of on their own, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I will say,
0: however, that people who maybe didn't like this movie or maybe who did should go back pre matrix and watch their first film bound with uh, Gina Gershon and um, Jennifer Tilly. It's a great little nineties, neo-noir. Okay. Um, And it's really good and it's made on the cheap and it's like if you like movies like uh Memento or uh Bound is is a lot of fun
1: that's one of the things that frustrates me about this movie Matrix Resurrections is it feels cheap but it feels like they're selling it to us at at premium prices you know what mm. i mean like it feels like they're selling us a blockbuster
0: yeah but- it feels like universal studios the matrix the ride
1: It really does. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Let's go ahead. And (laughs) after that, um, let's talk about Johnny Mnemonic, 1995 uh, Keanu Reeves starring as well. What is this about?
1: Okay. Uh, So uh, Johnny is our protagonist and Mm -hmm. he is a data courier who has an implant in his head, a wetware implant where he can, take information, upload it into this implant in his brain and, uh, you know, transfer it. um, Yeah. uh, You know, uh, so that it's a little more secure than just an email or something like that. And this takes
0: place in like a dystopian future.
1: uh, Very fun. Takes place in the year 2021. (laughs) Right. Uh, So I did think that was fun that, you know, we got this in, in our last review of the year which this episode will probably come out in 2022, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, so he has this implant in his brain. When he got this implant, it cost him some of his uh, long-term memories, and he wants out of the game. Uh, he, he wants to get his implant removed and get his memories back, but that's a very expensive procedure, and to to afford it, he's got to do this one last job. So he goes, you know, to this hotel where he gets his data uploaded and it's way more data than his implant can handle. It's it's like triple the capacity or something of, of what his implant can handle, which shouldn't be a problem as long as he can get the data removed in enough time. Um, you know, it gives him about 24 to 48 hours before He's got to get the data out of his head or, you know, it will explode or leak or whatever. And, he'll die and for some reason. Yeah. Fry his brain, kill him. They line up the password. Everything's great. Uh, except as they're faxing the password off, uh, this Yakuza high tech corporation breaks in and kills all the people who were involved in the project. Uh, Except Johnny, who manages to get away. So now he has, you know, a clock ticking for him to get this information removed from his brain before it kills him. And along the way, he realizes, you know, a bunch of people want what's in his head. Um, The Yakuza wants him. He's like other people. want Cyberpunk uh, rebels. Yeah, they want the information because it can as it's revealed, it can like cure some tech related diseases. There's a crazy jacked out street preacher who's hired to kill him. Um, you know, it's kind of one of those things where all of these people are chasing Keanu Reeves, which, right. You know, it's a Keanu Reeves movie.
0: Right. Specifically a Keanu Reeves in the nineties movie. For sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but not one of the higher tier ones. This isn't speed or point break.
0: No, no, it's wild. It's, I mean, it's kind of, you can only imagine that the Wachowskis saw this film and saw some sort of potential in Camel Reeves and this type of world. And they're like, Oh, like this kind of sucks, but we could use that.
1: Um, I, I'm not going to totally <laughs> say this movie sucks.
0: I mean, I, I think it, it sucks in a fun way. This
1: movie but it's so this, this is not great is, cinema. No, this movie is cyberpunk as fuck, which I do appreciate. Yes. It is wetware, hardware, download, net, you know, all yeah. of that fucking shit. Um you know, d- down to mega corporations warring with each other. Uh y- you know, the the problem is this movie is yeah visually it's a pretty generic 90s action movie
0: yeah i mean it's it certainly feels kind of low budget for what it's going for it also and, i mean there's a lot of dated. like and yeah, it dates super hard well it's just it's 1995 this is this weird period of time in movies um where there was all of these cyberpunk movies that kind of came out at the same time because the Internet was just on the horizon of yeah, becoming the, normal the
1: ideas are there. The ambitions there, but the technology has not caught up with it. Right.
0: And nobody really, I mean, including the screenwriters of this film and films like it, nobody really knows what the Internet does yet. So everyone's or what it's planned to be used for. So everyone's kind of just using it as a catch all for oh whatever God. kind of technology they need to run. That's but I mean hilarious.
1: this is this so, is pretty
0: close to the same year as like Hackers, The Net, uh Strange Days. There was all these movies that are in this vein from this so time.
1: Here. I'm I'm looking it up and I'm realizing this was written by William Gibson, who wrote the book Neuromancer, which I'm assuming this it might be kind of based on, mm. which like kind of created the genre of cyberpunk. So it's based on a short story that
0: he did. Uh, is, I'm guessing is what it so looks like from. It a, is
1: interesting because like I said, the cyberpunk cred is there. Yeah. Um And cyberpunk is its own genre in the way that, you know, steampunk isn't just, it's not just cowboys with steam guns, right? Like there's more to it than that. I mean, that's worse. That's what it is. Well, yeah, but I, again, I think this movie has the the cyberpunk cred. Like the world building aspect of it isn't the problem. No. I mean,
0: I don't I don't think that it's you know there's a lot of movies that
1: are kind of in this realm as far as the look of the movie goes. Um, it, yeah, like visually, I think this movie is actually pretty similar to um, like stuff like Demolition Man. Yeah. And, Judge Dredd, the the Stallone Judge Dredd, not the the, good the later one, yeah. Judge Dredd,
0: yeah, and it, and it kind of fe- it feels a little Verhoeven esque. Maybe I'm just thinking that because the actress was uh, also Dynamite in Starship Troopers.
1: Um, it, it feels. I mean, it does. It feels a little Verhoeven esque. Well, and also it, because Ver, Verhoven like-
0: Verhoeven also adapted Total Recall, which is based on Philip K. Dick, which is. He's also very involved in the world of cyberpunk.
1: Well, it also just feels very like, you know, it's that school of directors that saw a bunch of John Carpenter movies, but didn't know how to make John Carpenter movies.
0: Sure. And then added their own, like, just kind of like skinned their own uh, aesthetics to it.
1: Yeah. Like um, it's, it's Escape from New York, but. But just a little more generic, right? Yeah, it's
0: a little bit more escape from L.A. As far as that goes,
1: for uh, sure. Which is <laughs> and funny there's there's a lot of like was John Carpenter,
0: right? Um, there's a lot of like '90s camp here. That's why I said they, they're even though I don't think it's a very good movie. I think they're it's enjoyable, like on a cult like. Dumb culty movie level. Yeah, like, I
1: was having fun with it and I'm very comfortable in this era. Uh, you know, this is the action movies I grew up with. So Right. Yeah. This uh, is,
0: this is time cop. This is, you know, the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I understand. I, uh, I mean, I was complaining about Keanu Reeves acting in, in Ma- matrix resurrections. This is, that's like, you know, Heath Ledger, the Joker, compared to what he's doing here. And you know what? I feel not like- too very long after this, I mean, it's wild to think it's only four years from this movie that the first Matrix comes out. But I mean, because that's just like a nosebleed jump in quality. Um, but even before this, you know, he had done stuff like My Own Private Idaho and yeah, I like the Bill and Ted movies. I think he's good in those. He's a capable actor when he's directed to be, but he definitely has to be kind of shaped and moved and, you know, used in a certain way for it to work.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I I used to be, I think, a lot more critical of Keanu, but mm-hmm. I- I feel like later in his career I have come to appreciate him more and I don't think he's a bad actor. I think it's
0: I, think I don't think it, he's a bad actor in everything he's in. I think he is here.
1: I don't think he's that bad in it. He has like there's like a little <laughs> like kind of monologue freak out that is pretty fun. Um yeah, that's his big moment in the movie.
0: He was probably given a couple more takes on that one. <laughs> um yeah, no, I, I and, and like I said, I had a ton of fun watching it. And I, I you know, I think any movie, especially movies from this time period that are just weird as balls and had no business being made in the first place, um, yeah. needs iced tea.
1: Yeah, he and definitely he, <laughs> had a, a niche.
0: Iced tea, like cyberpunk iced tea with a robot dolphin all day, every day. Give it to me. Yeah, um, that's, I, I mean, that's really all you have to say to sell me on at least watching this once his ice in his movie. He has a robot virtual reality dolphin. Yes, please. Mm-hmm. Um, we also get a little, we also get a, a fun extended cameo by Henry Rollins when he wanted to be an actor for five minutes.
1: Yeah. And I think he's, uh, he's a lot of fun in this. Yeah. Huh. Uh, th- there's like some very like Henry Rollins monologuing happening where he's like, sure. Yeah. It's the fucking shit that the fucking system puts in your head, man. That's what's fucking killing us. And I was right, like, right. hell yes. It was like when we had that
0: discussion a while back ago about musicians turn actors, it's like, you know, is it raw talent or are they, or could they really go for it? He's a raw talent guy. um, And maybe not even on the very high end of that, but You know, you just point him in the direction and tell him to go. Yes. Just do, just be Henry Rollins. You're a doctor or something, whatever. Just, you don't don't even have to read the script. Just say some things.
1: Totally. Just uh, rant about the evils of technology.
0: Right. Yeah. And Dolph Lundgren is like totally insane in this. Um, Okay.
1: So I like the elements of Dolph Lundgren. I like. I like the idea of Dolph Lundgren. I like it. I like Dolph Lundgren. He's, you know, he's just like this kind of force of nature. Yeah. Crazy heavy. I like the whole Jesus freak thing. I like that. Everything he says is a fucking action movie pun, you know, like come to Jesus. Uh, I love all of that. Uh, My only thing was, his whole character is supposed to be like so hardwired out that he'll kill anybody, you know, for money just to keep his like tech implants and stuff. But he has no visible tech on him. I think visually we could have had more fun with that character.
0: Maybe. Yeah. I mean, he's already pretty wild looking in this movie with the big hair and the beard and the, and the, uh, uh,
1: the cane no, like whatever I wanted you call it, the I big wanted staff. some cyborg. give me a fucking cyborg I ah, give me a you know like yeah he probably crazy used- like uh techno veins all over his body give, or at give some me- point
0: like his robe gets torn open and he's like half robot or something. I get you.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I mean, need
0: I needed to see some hardware. I uh I enjoyed his presence in the movie though. I thought that he was he's he understands the movie he's in. Um, oh, totally. and I, I, he's not the type of actor that I would assume that kind of self awareness, but here I was like, Oh, he does know what he does.
1: Yeah, he, he, exactly. He's very game.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, I again, I think if you didn't grow up in the middle of the 90s and you're watching this and like expecting a quote unquote real movie, I don't think you're going to like it. But if you go into this, wanting to kind of laugh a little bit and sort of just have fun with the premise and you like culty weird nonsense this is you could do much worse
1: yeah it's it's it gets you through the you know the 90 minutes in in relative ease and fashion yeah uh, i mean when like if a guy has a laser garrot thumb what more do you need yeah, and yeah, the Yakuza and
0: uh, viruses, and everybody's just talking in nonsense tech talk, like they just c- c- grabbed a book off of, you know, from Best Buy and just started underlining the biggest words they could find and shoved it in the dialogue.
1: You got Udo Kier being a real weird German scary man. You have
0: Udo Kier being Udo Kier, uh-huh. the the move, the role he plays in every movie. Yes, um. Yeah, I mean, it has all. It ticks all the boxes. It's almost to the point of self-parody. How mid '90s this movie is. Yeah, but it's it's okay. I, I mean, I, we we talk about a lot of these type of movies um uh, for our our streaming homework and sure we you know Again, this I think they they have that the even like dumb culty things have kind of a scale and a ranking. I would not put this as high as something like uh uh frog town what was that one hell comes to frog town i think that would be further up the list into like actually a good movie um this is
1: way higher on the camp yeah
0: right but i think that movie is like fully in on the joke whereas this movie i don't think is
1: no this this movie i think takes itself pretty seriously um yeah, I I honestly with the exception thinking- of
0: a couple actors who kind of know they're in some yeah. schlock. I
1: I honestly was thinking a lot of the movie Demolition Man. Yeah, but even that is like kind of a comedy. Yeah, it's it's that one has its tongue firmly planted in its cheek. This yeah, movie that movie is like, like trying
0: to be satire. It might not yeah. always pull it off, but like like that and like Last Action Hero and stuff like that. The those those like referential.
1: Uh, action films from the early '90s. Yes, before the the meta take really kind of. Yeah, like that was
0: basically the last gasp of the action stars from the badass cinema of the '80s mm-hmm. was them getting very referential in the early '90s. Um, you could even throw in uh, uh, True Lies a little bit into that that world. And then sure. the 90s, your action stars were more people like Keanu Reeves and Nicolas Cage and you know people who don't look like giant buff meat people.
1: I don't know. There's some elements of that kind of action that I think would be fun to come back. Like, uh, you know, if you're looking at stuff like uh, uh, John Woo, Right, like I, I do feel like a lot of action lacks the uh that sense of style that the 90s had, it didn't. Sure. Always work. I mean, I think you have stuff like the
0: John Wick movies, or you, or um, um, I did not see the movie, but uh, nobody, and well, you that, know.
1: that's why I think John Wick stands out is because it is, it is so stylized, it is like you know, kind of blending the best of both worlds it is taking this like we're gonna have over-the-top action but we're gonna make it look better we're gonna make it a little more believable like mm. you know whereas like most action stuff i think coming out that's not the mcu or whatever is is more along the lines of the um the the chris Hemsworth movie extraction right the S-
0: stuff that's a little bit more situational
1: yeah which you know, maybe the action looks all right, but the, it's more
0: about, it's more about like, are they going to get out of this thing in time or whatever, or how they do How are they going to fight their way through this or that?
1: There, there's just this tendency yeah. with action specifically to need to be grounded. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of lost the operatic quality that it used to have. And I, I'm not saying that we necessarily should go back to that or that one is better than the other, but it would be nice to see that thrown in a little, a little more once in a while. Like not everything has to be grounded, just like not everything has to be shaky cam. You know what I mean? Yeah. I
0: think that's why like, say we're on a tangent now, but I think like a movie like uh, Shang-Chi that's why it was kind of a breath of fresh air is because the they actually put a lot of thought into the fight choreography yes and it looked like a different kind of movie than we're used to seeing in that context so when it does happen it feels refreshing because yeah generally speaking it's about guys running away with guns from other guys with guns yes um but yeah, that's not what's happening necessarily in uh johnny mnemonic which i mildly recommend for the morbidly curious
1: yeah i don't know if i recommend it or not it's fine (laughs) if you're really into cyberpunk it's it's got some cool stuff uh yeah
0: if you liked stuff like if you're old enough to have liked stuff like demolition man or tank girl or whatever like then yes by all means see this movie but if 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 the oldest movie you've ever seen is like the first John Wick, this is going to be like trying to read the Rosetta
1: Stone. <laughs> yes, that's a that's a great way to put it.
0: Um, so, uh, kind of on a different wavelength, the next time we do uh, streaming homework, um, which will not be on the next episode, because of the next episode, we're actually going to be discussing our top favorite and bottom favorite movies of 2021. But when we come back for a regular scheduled episode, uh, the streaming homework will be the film Les Samurai by Jean-Pierre Melville Uh, came out in 1967. It is French um, and kind of kicked off the kind of unofficially his films were seen as sort of a progenitor to the French new wave. Um. So yeah, it'll be I've always wanted to see that movie. And now it is on HBO Max. So that's how we're gonna watch it. Cool. Yeah. And if anybody has anything to say about any of the topics we discussed on this episode, you can email us at McGuffinpod at gmail.com. Like I said before, you can uh, tweet at us or find us on Instagram at McGuffinpod. We are also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Don't do a ton of stuff on there anymore. I do put the episodes up, but that's about all I do over there. But if for whatever reason that is your social media of choice, then by all means, follow us. Uh, You can find the show at any of your preferred podcatchers, including Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Player.fm, whatever. Um, I also put us on, I didn't know it existed until I was looking around on Reddit, but there's a thing an app called Good Pods. It's kind of like Goodreads, but for podcasts oh, fun. and i um yes. you know I put us on that, so they automatically update it when i when new episodes go up on the r s s. feed so if you use good pods, um you can look us up that way and um you'll, you can follow us. Uh, you can read my reviews. I do for the Idaho state journal by Googling Idaho state journal movie reviews. That'll take you to the main review page, the main review archives. Um, You can follow me individually on Twitter and Instagram at vc Cassidy. Uh, And that's it. What about you?
1: You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Keith foster kid. Uh, You can also follow my art account on Instagram at sticky note aesthetic.
0: All right. And that is the episode.
1: I've had it with all this. I want room service. I want the club sandwich. I want the cold Mexican beer. I want a $10,000 a night hooker. I want my shirts laundered like they do at the Imperial Hotel in Tokyo. Bye.